Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared, the apocalypse nerd, Wallace, and Adam Scott Glancy joining you this week for Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 19, Sex in the Apocalypse. Yeah. And now that we've got your attention... Yeah, because <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff will move a podcast. Of course, oh, it, yeah. would, it would really help if we had somebody attractive. Uh, well, well, speak for yourself, sir. But <laughs> oh, 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 oh! You mean the opposite sex? No, no. I meant I'm an attractive. Oh, okay, all right. Attractive <laughs> under any under any criteria. All right. Well, but, your well, your your point still stands then. Yeah. Uh, but we we work with what we've got, which has been sort of the theme of this podcast from the very beginning. Yeah, and. Uh... Just well, in time for Valentine's Day. Yes, really. exactly. Yeah. It's like love is in the air, and love will be in the apocalypse. So that's why we decided to <laughs> just, just like gamma rays. Yes, just, just like fallout. Well, may, maybe that's what I should, we should have called it, love in the apocalypse. That way, it would have had a little broader connotation instead of being sensational, like like a tabloid in the grocery store line going sex in the apocalypse. You know. Yeah, well, never let it be said that we didn't know how to sell a product, you know. Mark, marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be worse. It could have been boobs in the apocalypse. But we will get to that with the well, fashion in the well, fashion in the apocalypse episode because holy crap, everybody in the apocalypse seems to be again. Boobs. There's there's no end to sexy in the apocalypse apparently. Yeah. Well, I know, I know uh, Boobs in the Apocalypse was your choice for this week's episode, but, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there eventually. I know that eventually we'll get to, we'll get to something really salacious. You're, 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 wearing me, you're wearing me down slowly, and we'll get to <laughs> So, do we have any news for our Apocalypse this week? Uh, not that much news. Uh, well, uh, there was a bit that, that you found and you posted on my web page was the Thundar the Barbarian Lords of Light documentary explaining the history behind the Thunder the Barbarian cartoon, which is very awesome. Thank you for finding that. Now, I don't know if that's attached to a uh, DVD set of Thunder. Do you own any of the uh, sets? Yeah, I own the uh, the Warner Brothers archives. You know, started doing you know uh, print on demand uh, DVDs yeah. of their shows. Yeah, thank uh, goodness. I, uh, yeah, I have that, and it uh, it's but not on there. I, I yeah. bet you that I bet you that's part of a larger, probably documentary talking about different. Uh, Warner Brothers, you know, cartoons, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. They just yeah. pulled that out, I bet. Yeah. So that was cool this week. We got that. Um, yeah, so yeah. I kind of I posted that around. Um, now, it, it has nothing to do with the apocalypse, but I will say, because I've been toting it like a mother, is if you're not watching True Detective, you're doing, <laughs> you're, you're doing yourself... A grave injustice. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and since I've got the words pagan publishing at the bottom of my screen, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you that, yeah, uh, we, we we did Call of Cthulhu for years at Pagan Publishing, still do, and our game Delta Green, and uh, this uh, this True Detective seems to have completely married seamlessly married, uh, sort of weird fiction mythosy horror with creepy police procedural. Yeah, we've only we're only four episodes in, and we'll see how we'll see we'll see how far down the rabbit hole they do go with that. You know, it's it's very it's very surface level right now, but it's definitely making the references. You know, it's uh, you know, I mean, again, because we're not all just you know, like I said, we're not. It's yeah, this is mainly this is all about the apocalypse, but it's such a good show. It's you know, and like we were talking off air before, folks, and Scott goes. You are very, very picky when it comes to your mythos-related stuff, and I am. Well, I'm picky in general. You know what a surprise, but I, I know it comes as a shock. But uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. Hey, so. you know, I, I just realized how we can marry the mythos with the apocalypse. Um, uh, at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival this this year uh, in Portland, Oregon, they're actually going to premiere for the first time in the United States a French film called Dead Shadows that was made back in like 2011 or 2010 and it is a mythos apocalypse. It is a, uh, and I say mythos apocalypse because even though there doesn't appear to be a lot of, um, there's not direct Cthulhu stuff, it is definitely the apocalypse where Let's say it's a, super, are, it's, it's a supernatural apocalypse, right? Yeah, it has aspects of that where everyone is being changed into horrible monsters very much along the lines of, of, uh, uh, of uh, Shadow of Rensmith, 
or uh, the stars are right in uh, in the Call of Cthulhu. So um, uh, that's going to be it's that's going to be the first appearance of that in the U.S. market. Um, I was talking to the folks over at Scarecrow Video, and they said that even they can't get an English dubbed version legally right now. Wow. All they can get is German, uh, French dubbed. They cannot get an English dubbed version of this film yet, and this is going to be the first time. Uh, it'll have you know subtitles. I mean, it'll, it'll be appearing in America in a theater. So well, Brian did a good job then. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Callahan did a great job this year. Uh, Gwen too. Gwen Callahan. I don't know which one of them landed it. Let's not give credit where credit is due. Which brings us to another point about this episode. Uh, we recognize that we are only one gender talking about you know sex and relationships and uh, romance after the apocalypse, but. What? Um, <laughs> We will do our best to not mansplain this, but we highly encourage people with perhaps another point of view to fill up the comments bars under this YouTube video, because uh, and you know, and if we're particularly off base, maybe we'll hit the topic again with some guests. It's just that being the being the lazy bums that we are, we didn't get our act together enough to arrange for uh, some other uh, guests to bring in some other points of view. Well, but but, but 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 to be fair to us, we're also going to be referencing it to other things like how they've approached the apocalypse, that kind of stuff in TV shows and movies as well. We're not just going to be going through our personal opinions, but it's hopefully we're going to be anchoring this in how, the, how has the genre of fiction approached this idea yeah. in the past. Exactly. So it's not like, yeah, exactly. It's not like we're laying out the plans for our... You know, our breeding plans for after the apocalypse or anything, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Every time you say breeding plans, all I can think of is is uh, um, Peter Sellers and Dr. Strangelove doing his, his you know, you know, well, they will have to do a prodigious amount of breeding during their time underground. See? There will be lots of time and very little to do, you know. <laughs> it's just the most... <laughs> I just love how George C. Scott starts sitting forward, you know, when, and listen, finally listening when they start talking about, you know, how much breeding will have to be done under underground in the in the vaults. See, we're we're already we're already tying it into the movies. So, right. uh, so anyway, so like I said, you know, not apocalyptic, but true true detectives, uh, apocalyptic TV. Uh, Walking Dead started uh, the new season, uh, second half of the fourth season started up. Um, not a bad season opener, you know. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where they go with. Will we'll, we'll they go with it? You know, like I said, Carl, I, 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 I try. Re I try really hard not to be that guy who, you know. Well, I read the books, and it's not like that. I try so hard not to be like that, but it's it is very hard, you know. Is it just me, or is Carl becoming, you know, Carl in those TV shows? Is he becoming the most hated kid on television. I mean. Everyone, everyone hates Joffrey from <laughs> Game of Thrones, but I think, you know, if I have to hear the line, where's Carl, one more goddamn time. Oh, man. We'll have to get him a, a red uh, and white sweater and a hat, you know. <laughs> yeah, the beanie, yes, a toque. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so that started up again. Um, I've been... Uh, uh, caught up with Helix. I'm still watching that. You know the one with the, the the Arctic base and the virus and the and the and the the rage. You know rage zombies. It's it's okay. You know it's you know micro apocalypse. You know because you know they're trapped. There's the disease. There's you know you know vectors as they call them there. So it's my it's micro apocalypse. There, there's there's another thing I would like to point. Out. Every time we say Helix, it makes it, it reminds me of H plus. Did I ever tell you about H plus? I. Yes, uh, that's when like it's it's more of like a cyber future uh, kind of apocalypse or yes, something like that. Yes, it is. It is uh, the the basic. It's H plus is a uh, is about uh, transhumanism. It's a transhumanist apocalypse, uh, and it's webisodes. It's like forty eight webisodes available on YouTube. Each webisode is about three to six minutes long, uh, so it's almost a full movie size. It jumps back and forwards in time. It jumps back and forwards between characters. But um, it's a really interesting apocalypse because it's it's nothing I've ever seen before. We we apocalypted ourselves. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, the Signal and Cell, okay. which is a Stephen Stephen King stories where mm -hmm. technology fucks us over. Yeah. Uh, because we're also high and mighty with our technology, 
H plus definitely has that aspect to it, where um, we all, you know, loaded up these nano computers into ourselves so we can be on the web all the time, always plugged in wherever we're walking, and even plugged into our body so that we can be aware, you know, perfect healthcare. We are aware of everything that's going on in our body on a cellular level. You detect cancer immediately. You detect, you know, bad kidney function immediately. And somebody uploaded a virus. And then we hooked up our body uh, monitoring functions to the Internet. So somebody loaded up a virus that just told all of our hearts to stop beating. And the population just died. You know, massive die-off. So right. it's... It, it, unless you were outside of coverage, ah, so that whole see how that whole can you hear me now thing can screw you in the end, exactly. So it, it, H plus is worth a look. Uh, you, whenever you mentioned Helix, it immediately makes me remember uh, H plus. And then uh, also, uh, folks, the the Thunder the Barbarian uh, documentary, uh, I have favorited it, put it as my as favorites on the YouTube channel. So if you go to our YouTube channel. You know, youtube.com slash podcast Eric Ground Zero. Uh, there, besides our, there's our, there's our playlist, which is the podcast, and there's our favorite list. So as I find these, we find these things, I mark them on our favorites, so you can find it on our favorites. So you can go, you can go find it there. I'll, I'll remember to put that on, uh, put that on there for uh, H plus as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, do that. We'll, we'll bookmark that, and then. Um, what else? Apocalypse? Nah, nothing. Uh, again, nothing crazy. I haven't. Uh, oh, well, I, well, I you know. Speaking of, well, I ran across on Kickstarter. Um, I, I don't know. Are you familiar familiar with the uh, the comic, The Last Zombie? No, no, I am not. It is. Uh, oh fuck! Who writes it? It's. Uh, give me a second. It's illustrated by your friend and mine from Twilight. Uh, oh, Twilight Joe X. Wright. Joe Wright does the illustration for it, but it's written by Brian. Uh, let me find it here. Brian Knees uh, okay. writes writes it, but it's but it's illustrated uh, by Joe by, Wright. By friend of the apocalypse. Friend of the apocalypse. Right. I read the first uh, couple episodes. You know, uh, first five or six uh, issues. It wasn't bad. Uh, they're actually like I think they got like 25 issues now. They're putting out some omnibus. They they started up a Kickstarter for it, uh, to where you could get like the big the giant omnibus. And I don't know why, because Antarctic Press is not doing terrible from my understanding, but they did it as a Kickstarter, uh, which is fine. I ch I chipped in ten dollars so I could get the entire 600 something page omnibus as a PDF, so I could just I, look at, I don't read on my computer. Him. I really don't mind when when certain groups, certain publishers, certain artists are are running kickstarters, even though they're doing just fine. Because sadly, it's easier to get people to commit to a Kickstarter than it is to get them to go to your site and pre-order the product. Uh, yes, and uh, the voice of experience. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it really doesn't bother me doing a Kickstarter. To me, it's just a way to facilitate pre-orders. Yeah. Um, you know, marketing, really <laughs> marketing pre-order. So so they so they got that up there and like I said they have like the omnibus they're doing a hardback I don't want print material like I said for ten bucks I'll I'll get the PDF because it's huge it's twenty five issues you know you could go to like you know the online things like uh, like Cosmicology and you could spend a couple bucks an issue but if I could get all the entire run for ten bucks that's not a bad deal you know that way I could just read on my iPad or something you know yeah yep but um, what else I'm trying to think that's really uh, that's really about all I got uh, this week. Not, not, not. I haven't encountered a whole lot except those couple little uh, tidbits uh, here and there. So, no, also, I, I, also remind me when we're talking about deeper in the show to bring back up the, the Ultimate Warrior because it is almost a little relevant uh, to what we're talking about. I, yeah, I was, just, I, was re I was reading mm -hmm. about uh, some stuff and I was like, yeah, that makes sense and it kind of ties in. So anyway, right. Sex in the Apocalypse. That's right. No, no, we'll just, just dive right into this. Let's we're, just dive right into this problem. We're going to have lots of sex because we're going to have mutant skin condoms and we're going to be fucking uh, our brains out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is is that, uh, you know, uh, I would point out is that the, the in early iterations of this genre, um, you know, it comes off as very much, uh, when, I think, when I can think back to uh, early books, uh, uh, early book series, um, 
there's there there's definitely kind of a uh, you know you Tarzan me Jane uh, you know aspect to it. It's very inspired by the pulp genres of like uh, uh, Conan or um, uh, any of the guys who 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 made that. This the, the genre was built for a male audience. Yeah. Originally, and there's a, so the result is there's a lot of you know well, girls clinging to guys. Uh, whilst guys, you know, gun down fleshy-headed mutants with huge guns uh, in the beginning of the genre. Huge guns, but uh, I was thinking of something more phallic. But okay. all right. Uh, <laughs> well, because well, I could think back to a. I was like, you didn't see, you don't see a whole lot of sex in post-apocalyptic novels unless you read the Deathland series. Oh um, my God! Ryan yeah. and Christy bump uglies. Like almost every book, it's like yeah, really okay. Is, enough of the gratuitous sex scene. Let's get to the apocalypse. Yeah, they they go through that sex scene uh, between the two of them in a ritualistic fashion, almost as if in the same kind of ritualistic fashion that they introduce every character, and that character is defined by what what guns they're carrying. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, or like or the same ritual that JB Dix goes through the way he meticulously cleans his guns, and and how Ryan meticulously cleans out Christie's gun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 was absolutely just a formula, you know. And yeah. the other formula, of course, in the post-apocalypse that is carried through in most post-apocalyptic fiction is usually our first dose of sex. Uh, and post is rape. Rape, yes. Uh, not to suggest that sex is rape. I get that sex is more about is, is violence. Yeah. It's about violence. They, you know, but but that's the thing that always comes up is the bad guys almost universally have one thing on their mind because you know ESPN is not on uh, after the apocalypse is rape. Rape always seems to come up in this genre as what the bad guys are up to. Yes, and again, and, folks, we know. It's not the same thing, but but a lot of times it's depicted that way. It's like, well, the bad guys just want to get their rocks off, so they're gonna rape, you know. So, in, in the bad guys' minds, they're just having sex. But yeah. as we know, it's not. It's 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 violence. It's this. It's it's a touchy, 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 touchy subject. We know yeah, that. Yeah, but it, and we and we get that it's being used for entertainment in these in some of these novels, like the Deathlands, like uh, the survival the survivalist. We get that. That's a little. That that's we're all more sophisticated than they were back in the what the eighties. Yeah, not that long ago. But yeah, uh, really and, and we understand it. And we're not we're not we're not justifying any of that. We're just just trying to clear the air with that kind of stuff. We're just yeah. we're just talking about what's out there. Okay, yeah. that's that's it. You know. Um, so so the first thing that always bring, comes bring up, on the hate mail. But yeah, uh, the first thing that always comes up in post-apocalyptic you know sex is. Uh, there's always the villainous rape. That's always the first thing that comes yep. up. But um, you know, once you get past once you get past what the bad guys are up to, then there's what the good guys are up to, what your protagonists are up to, and um, certainly there's a lot of um, uh, what I've noticed in a lot of things. There's a lot of breaking of, uh, in my opinion, there's a lot of breaking of taboos, like the idea that you know our two Characters in the Omega Man. Yeah, you've got Rosalind Cash, I think it is, uh, who's the, uh, the the black actress. Is that Rosalind Cash and Chuck Heston? And you know he's playing the you know ex army scientist, and she's kind of like some badass, you know, uh, like like Cleopatra Jones yeah, or something. Yeah, you know, you know, and and here are two you know our two figures who are going to you know, uh, get together. Could not possibly get together before the apocalypse because right? it was it was like 1972 and no 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 what uh, black and white so they kind of break they break convention there by yeah. having that interracial kind of thing because yeah. again back then that was a huge deal yeah. you know and so the idea that you know, sometimes you get situations where the you know our our, our characters break their um, uh, their taboos you know what I think of I think of um, uh, who are the characters? I mean, in the comic book of The Walking Dead, um, the girl who's the sniper, Andrea, is that Andrea? Her name? Yes, the good Andrea from the comic book. Not the not, bad Andrea. Not the crappy, wishy-washy. She could have died soon enough, Andrea from the TV series. Coulda, woulda, shoulda killed the yeah. governor. <laughs> yeah. 
but had her, every fracking opportunity and didn't do it. She and uh, what's his name? Um, is it Glenn or uh, not? Not not the uh, Glenn. Glenn's the Asian kid. Who's the guy who she got together with? Who's Dale, the older originally? Yeah, Dale. She and Dale are an item, which is this huge, you know, summer winter romance that happens. You know, that's permitted because. You know, all the conventions are over with, so they can, you know, they can get together with the who, who, with whom they want. Um, you know, oh, I guess I guess Glenn and uh, what's her name uh, also count because they're a they're a mixed race couple. Yes. You know, uh, which may not have been, you know, may not have been permissible down in Georgia even yeah. in 2014. Nope. But you know, nowadays, you know, uh, I look, uh, you know, they're just. Uh, you know, Dad's just glad that his son-in-law has a pulse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, Andrew originally got with Dale, and Dale had the best revenge death in the comic. <laughs> no spoilers on that. People yeah, no, that's that, all, so. that is all I'm saying about that. I know, even though, yes, we love spoilers, but... Um, that's we, one we're saving for you. Yeah, you gotta you got to read the comic for that one. You know, it it, it wasn't the lame-ass death that he had in the, in the frickin'... Uh, yeah. TV yeah. show. Oh yeah, he goes out like a man on that. Oh, one. <laughs> he go he 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 goes out laughing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's all we're gonna say. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, so, there's, so there's a lot of yeah. You said a lot of those conv- uh, those are broken down. Um, but there's a lot of other things that, that come along with it too. Because you figure you know you know after the apocalypse, yeah, you're gonna have you know that people are probably, people might be just fucking like rabbits and like real you know uh, because they're like oh it's the end of the world what are we gonna do. But then once things start to settle down, then you're gonna have to look at things a little bit differently. And we'll be, you know, we have several examples of, like immediately after, depending on what the apocalypse is, um, like Day of the Triffids, uh, the the the, the, the British miniseries, and the Survivors, we've, the the British miniseries, we've talked about both of them, uh, Terry Nation in '75 with Survivors is. Um, there's a lot less population, and you get certain government organizations are like, "Well, we gotta repopulate," so they institute these breeding uh, uh, programs. Incentive. Like, it's trying to incentivize bringing back the population. Population, and they really kind of—that's where you know you get into gender roles as well, because they're, in those stories, they're, they're t- saying, "Well, you know what? You know, you have to do this. You have to have children." That's all, you know. What was the name of the character from uh, Survivors who was the guy who was just really insistent that every woman needed to get pregnant immediately? Oh, I can't, I can't remember his name. I mean, but, uh, he, he starts off as sort of a semi-antagonist, but then he becomes one of the main characters in the story for the, for the second and third seasons, and it worked pretty well. I mean, you know, the guy was kind of a this was a blind spot he had. He was always kind of a dick about it, um, where he was always insisting that every woman needed to be pregnant because we needed to immediately start bringing the population back before uh, some of the female characters got beyond their ability to safely have children. Yeah, because um, that's the, yeah, that's a whole, pregnancy and birth, we'll get into that as well, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, no, they're right, so you're going to see a lot of that, and that might really happen Charles. Too. It was Charles, right? That was the character's name. Oh, the, the rich the rich guy. Oh, no, 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 not the guy who was looting, looting for for gold. No, 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 no. He was uh, no, not no, not that guy. Not the not 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 the robber baron. The um, he was part of the group. He was the rich, stuck-up guy who had the secretary. That no, guy. No. I'm thinking about the guy with the beard, full beard and mustache. He, he sort of uh, they ended up having to move on to his farm after the manor burned down. Second oh, season. Oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. He was the. Uh, he was like, hey, you know what? We can't go with that plan. Then eventually, he winds up in their village. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were leaving all the notes around and trying yeah. to go here. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, that that character, you know, um, that was one thing that came up with this character over and over again is reproduction and trying to get the population back. Bounce back from a level where our, you know, and it, this also counts in sort of any apocalypse because apocalypse fiction always seems to sort of create small groups of people. You know, it breaks yeah. up cities. It, it gets down to, like, town levels. And... Um, there's always the danger of if your town is isolated and nobody travels anymore and the roads are filled with, with brigands and road agents and marauders, your gene pool just became really tiny, you know? And so uh, 
that character was always about trying to get as much change going on in the gene pool to keep communities from becoming inbred. Well, um, also, like, he wanted to get the, the population out there because he wanted, he wanted to get children up and running before we, you lost too much, before too much time went by because the farther you got away from the event, you know, the less people that might be around who know things. So you got to be able, because he, well, he was about educating, installing yeah. skills, and the further you got away, the more chances you lost people, there's less chance that you're going to be able to teach them things for the long yeah. term because you're going to lose the people who have the skills. And if you yeah. don't have the people that have the skills to teach them, they're just going to be freaking cavemen, you yeah. know. Uh, all, all, uh, all, uh, um, uh, the, our, our, our two generations in cave, our one generation in cave woman in, uh, in, in threads, you know, because she gets no education, she gets no. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they, they kind of uh, escalated that as well too. But, uh, but you know, but you make up the point with you know mixing up the gene pool because you don't want to get stagnant, which. You know, what happened in medieval times, mix you know, you know, mixing up the breeding because that that yeah. Besides the you know the breeding breeding just to get more population, and then breeding to to mix the populations, survivors, uh, and several two big two big movies by one well-known actor. Yeah, Kevin Costner, yeah. Waterworld, and The Postman. Yeah, that, that, both, that, that comes they, up. They both bring that up with their with their communities, and I would like to point that since Kevin Costner is the what like the director producer on both those movies and the star, I would like to point out that it's a little more than a coincidence that both times he's you know though he he's the guy approached by the villagers saying, "Hey, we'd like to borrow a cup of genetic heritage from you." You know, clearly this is. I think he's telling us more about his peccadillos than he, than he might. You know, he might really be comfortable. He may not realize he just showed us a little too much of his, uh, too many of his cards on that one. It's like, sir, can, can, can we borrow, can we borrow a cup of, sp yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 genetic destiny, a cup of genetic destiny. Uh, but yeah, both those both those films had that that had that 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 point that was brought up. I'm I, wait a minute, didn't didn't that happen in um. Ultimate Warrior too wasn't that a point in Ultimate Warrior? Uh, well, it was more about the seed. So, because like with Ultimate, okay, to talk about Ultimate War, I was just reading a review on that, and they were talking about. Uh, let me look it up here. Um, um, yes. Uh, blah, blah. This is riveting stuff. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading here. Um, you know, although the ultimate describe it says describes Carson's role as the archetypical heroic man, he cares for and protects the maternal the maternal figure Matilda, the uh, uh, Melinda, the, the pregnant woman. Yeah. With the, had the seeds, you know, the the actual uh, agricultural seeds. Um, he pre uh, he, pre he prefigures his role. With a homesteader slash provider, he delivers a baby. He's even willing to sacrifice mm -mm -mm, to ensure the micro family would be safe from evil. Okay, you know he battles the baddies. Uh, all this to protect the micro family. This is the ultra manhood, not mere machoism. And that's true. It's it's more about him just being macho. It's about him, you know, about family, uh, about you know, keeping them safe. You know, he delivered the baby, so it's right. He's not macho. It's, it's you know, it's manhood. So that's. That kind of ties into that too, you know, because again, this the apocalypse, you know, breeding, and also, well, they come at well, the seeds, you know, that kind of some, I guess, some kind of metaphor, you know, it's like the seeds, the plant, to get them, get her, get the seeds safe somewhere so they could plant and grow and raise them. So there's a little dual meaning going on there in uh, Ultimate Warrior. I, I would also uh, go ahead and point out that you know, because um, uh, we're getting close into sort of issues of gender roles because of uh, childbirth. Um, Childbirth is one of those things, and 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 reproduction is one of those things that it's 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 sort of a. That is to say, I don't mean rearing children is a immutable gender role. That is absolutely not the case. But what I do mean is that uh, pregnancy and uh, uh, at the, you know at this point we don't since we're not making babies in tubes or in jars. Or artificial wombs. This is a absolutely uh, immutable gender role: is uh, is gestation and birth. Uh, so 
that becomes kind of a, a, a general that, that's, that's hard to get around uh, in a post-apocalyptic... Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no way around it. It has that. It's nature. It's the way it has. It has to be that way. And the thing is, after the apocalypse, you know, pregnancy and and birth. It's two, you know two separate things become you know two separate events become a lot more risky and a lot more dangerous initially, unless you have doctors. Now, mind you, we've been without modern medicine. We've been having babies and populating for tens of thousands of years. Okay, but that being said. It's only in the last, uh, what, 100 years, 150 years, we've got to the point where it's now because we've, we've become dependent upon technology. We've become dependent on modern-day society to have babies and have pregnancies. We, Not that we say we, we can't, but... We wouldn't have the population we have today if it wasn't for uh, the advances in... Okay, yes, there's the food revolution, there's the agriculture yeah. revolution. Great. Uh, now we can feed as many babies as we can make, yep. but we can make more babies successfully now with prenatal care and postnatal care and, oh, my God, immunization and vaccination and all that stuff. I mean, post-apocalypse, we're going to get a big old, you know, all that rickets and rubella and polio is going to come back and your child mortality is going to go boom. Oh, yeah, through the roof. Yeah, You're probably going to, you know, well, you know, what was it back in the 1800s? Probably what you lost? What like maybe one in four or five? I don't know. I'm just I'm just ballparking numbers here. But it was a it was a notable number. It's, you know, it's pretty horrific how many people are losing kids before the age of two. You know, in in the 19th century. And, uh, and that's, it, that's it, all. It's all going to come back with a vengeance because yeah. you've lost modern medicine. You know, maybe it'll be isolated pockets of people who maybe have a nurse or that, or maybe, you know, if you're lucky, you have a midwife, you know, because they don't really need midwives. They, they have that training to not need a modern hospital to have a, to give birth to a baby. So they have that older knowledge, you know, yeah. so that, that's eventually going to have to come back again. But unless you got one, it's going to be a long, hard road to learn, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heaven forbid you're in the middle of giving birth and you see a foot yeah. first. You know, oh my God, that kills. I mean, that's fatal shit. Mm -hmm. And which brings up another point, which is, um, you know, in a community, a small, isolated, post-apocalyptic community, um, there could be people with skill sets so valuable that the community would actually attempt to prevent them from from being pregnant. Uh, a female doctor, a, yeah, a female yeah. engineer. Uh, you know, uh, those character, those people. Uh, could Char actually char characters? Well, you know, because we're, we're talking so much fiction, you know. I, I, I know, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, that kind of, you know, uh, there could be a person who has such a, a, a valuable skill that the community is terrified of losing mm -hmm. that they 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 do not want them uh, to take the risk of pregnancy, particularly a doctor. Oh yeah, particularly yeah. Because in a post-apocalyptic setting, the odds are pretty good that if somebody's pregnant, there's going to be complications. You're yeah. going to have you're going to have problems. So, yeah, you don't want that doctor or that somebody who's, like, the person who's keeping the lights on or keeping the machines running, you know. It's like, yeah. again, you know, that also falls into gender roles and things like that skill set. You're, you're right. So it's... I, I remember there was a big thing that went on in one of the later seasons of, uh, of Survivors where they actually started having pregnancies amongst the youngest people in their group. Uh, and a lot of the youngest people who were in their, their early 20s we're still living by pre-apocalyptic sort of, you know, mindsets where they saw a baby as uh, a disaster in their life, as a a a, a anchor, so it's going to ruin ruin their lives, and they didn't want to have one. And the character Charles is flipping out at the idea that a woman should have a, you know, the right to say, "I do not want to be pregnant right now," or "I do want to be pregnant right." Um, I mean, clearly for him, the only answer is you should, this is a blessing. Of course, you know, he's not the one squeezing that blessing out of his, you know, out of his urethra, so, right? So, for him, it's a different, you know, sort of a different perspective, but... Um, for, him, idea, it's, for him, it's breed early, breed often, yeah. you know? Uh, and especially the idea that you've got to make people who will be around when, who will be able to be taught by the existing skill set folks in order to pass the knowledge on before it's lost completely. And I get that the longer you wait, you know, the more chance the doctor's going to, you know, fall down and get an infection and die. Yep. You know, 
and and then there's nobody to pass. There's nothing to pass on. It's all gone. Oh yeah, because you know, especially you know, it's uh, you know, um, are they going to be able to teach them in the same way that that doctor learned? No, but you know what? If you can start teaching these things, you know, growing up learning it, you know, when people learn things the best when you're younger, you know, yeah. that's that's why some of the best athletes and things are start off young because that's when you really know things and you learn your languages. That's when you're malleable and you really you learn this knowledge. You know, it's that's why it's harder to learn things when you're older than you are when you're younger because when you're on, younger, you're developing and you're uh, uh, setting those neural pathways to remember and learn these things. So if you could get the young learning these skills early, they'll be strong at it, you know, as opposed to just some guy who came, some 50-year-old guy who comes by afterwards, like uh, the one guy, the uh, the vagrant, I can't remember his name, but... Oh, uh, Tom. The Tom, you know, he ain't gonna learn nothing. You know, he's just oh gonna... My you know, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I gotta give them credit on Survivor Set. That character never redeemed himself. No. Ever. Nothing he did he, you know, ever redeemed himself. He was just a waste from the word go, and he did not transcend his 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 waste of space. And he, and he he and he did what we talked about at the very beginning of the oh, apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. And more on top of that, and frame somebody, and oh, eventually confessed goodness. after they did what they had to do. Yeah, that was that was one of the most horrible episodes. Oh my it? god, that was that yeah. was terrible. That was terrible. And then uh, what's his name? I can't, um, Greg. Greg. Oh, he just wanted to kill him. Yeah, and I love that after they've committed the injustice on the episode, they can't tell anyone that they've committed an nope. injustice because that'll undermine the entire community's decision-making process. They'll never be able to make another decision again. They'll never be able to work together as a group again because they came to a group consensus and it was tragically wrong. So it's oh, yeah. gonna. So they decide to cover up the crime, but. And it, it's it, folks. Uh, not that it. It's, um, it's available in America because when uh, Survivors came out in uh, the remake in what two thousand eight two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, they made the original Terry Nation, uh, s uh, series available, in, uh, in our uh, region. Our region. Uh, in our region on um, on uh, NTSC. So you don't have to worry about get, you get if you can get your hands on it. It's a really good series. It's it's very comp. It's I think it's very complex. Deals with a lot of issues. And again, it's Terry Nation. He was such he was such a good science. You know, he did, he wrote a lot of science fiction. Doctor Who, Blake Seven. He was a very good writer. So it, it's a very good series when it comes to dealing with the apocalypse and long term with the apocalypse. I think he did a really fantastic job of addressing all that stuff. Because yeah. remember how much. How much adversity did they come across? Constantly, he kept on throwing everything at them because yeah. it's what would happen. Yeah, it, it, it never, it never, it never stopped. There was always a new problem, and the things that could kill an entire community were things like again the clogged drainage pipe. Yep. The gutters are clogged, and that that could kill an entire community. And it that was amazing. Did. Yeah, but um, back, back to yeah. So anyway, so we got into that, folks, because we were I'm talking. Gonna be about it. And my, I'm going to be referencing Survivors a lot because I just watched the whole series recently, and they really did a good job with questions about relationships, uh, 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 reproduction. And another thing was that they brought up in that series was who's going to raise the kid. I mean, you know, uh, in a community. I mean, I don't mean to go all it takes a village to you know raise a child, but it does in, in a community like that. You're going to have, you know, maybe mom is fit and in and, and, and good health. She has the baby. Uh, we're lucky enough for her to be able to breastfeed and get all those great, um, you know, antibodies into the kid, you know, to help immunize him. Uh, but she's going to have to get up and go do whatever it is that keeps that community going, you know, uh, work in the fields, uh, repair a building, maintenance a machine, you know, what guard the walls, whatever it is her job is, which means she can't spend 24-7 with the child, which means there's going to have to be, like, you know, other people in the community daycare. perhaps who are not, yeah, there's going to have to be kind of a daycare, particularly by, what the hell, the oldest people yep. in the village, the oldest people who can't, you know, uh, move Farm the field, build the walls, things that they're not capable, people, yeah, people, well, like the one guy in the wheelchair, you know, he taught the children because that, and he t helped take care of the children that were there because he couldn't do 
a lot of the other stuff that they need him to do, but he filled that role so everybody was freed up to do those other yeah, things. Exactly. Um, so the idea that, you know, uh, uh, the roles of the family is going to be changed massively. The group may have a lot more to do with raising the first generations if there's been a big particular population die-off. And I guess, is that key to any apocalypse, Jared, that most apocalypses must involve a massive population drop? Uh, they tend to. I mean, because you figure, what, I mean, what, 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 what are your, what are our apocalypses? You know, in general, there's definitely a lot of death. You know, whether it's viral, nuclear, environmental, supernatural, space debris, you get a lot of people dying off. Whether it's from tsunamis, earthquakes, nuclear destruction, yeah. you're also you're also gonna get a lot of people who are gonna. There's gonna be large die-offs from number one. You know, murder. Starvation, yeah. disease. So, so, so any, any any kind of apocalypse, you're going to have a huge uh, population uh, die-off. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of key to any any post-apocalyptic background is less population. Less. I, I think so. If, if if and if there isn't, then how's it an apocalypse? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all the buildings fell down, but we're all still alive. Uh, well, we'll just rebuild it. You know. For the, for, yeah. Um, so. Uh, uh, Let's see. So it's going to change family dynamics, you know. Yes. Because, not the least of which, because certain, you know, uh, state-involved institutions like the contract of marriage or the church uh, defining marriage, that's gone. People are going to be married when they damn well want to be married, you know, or or divorce when they damn well want to be divorced. Um, well, 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 it depends. You know, like I said, you got the you have well, you have two aspects of marriage. You know, a lot of people say it's a religious thing, and a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, it's a state institution for tax breaks. You know, <laughs> it's it's well, it is. It's, it's what is your, what is your what is your view of it? You know, so the modern day governmental uh, influence of it will be gone. To you know, because there's no marriage license, there's no filing taxes. So the only thing people really have left, um, a lot of times, is well, I mean, bonding with somebody is fine, but you know, marriage, you know tends to be uh, an overtly religious ceremony. So people might still cling to that and still have that aspect, like we're married because there might be a priest or not a priest. So that, that's going to be very, you know, higgledy-piggledy, you know. You know, you could still have people marrying or people might, just like you said, like, okay, we're married, yay, or no, we're not married anymore. It yeah. might be as easy as that. Well, one of the, one of the deals post-apocalypse, since we've wrecked our economy, um, our birth control options are going to drop out. Completely, um, we're going to have very few birth control options, except you know various ways of terminating pregnancies partial way through terms. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of uh, poisons and things that people have taken uh, for for thousands of years to end pregnancies, as opposed to prevent them from starting. But our ability to prevent pregnancies from starting means that um, I, I think it's going to really affect the way that women decide whether or not there is going to be sex in a relationship because um, they're taking a health risk in a oh, way that oh, they're yeah, not it, taking it, today. It, yeah, it's not even just it's not even just the health risk of pregnancy disease. Yeah, as well. Oh, there's also that. So we've completely blown out the possibility of of of, of penicillin for gonorrhea or syphilis. And mm -hmm. I and I and I want to throw this out because this is one of my favorite. You know, VD apocalypses. I have a VD apocalypse, and that is, um, I was doing some research on an island out in the uh, Car uh, the Marshall Islands or the Carolines. I can't remember. It, uh, it's the Carolines, called Kosray. And Kosray was a was a island that had great water, fresh water supplies. So uh, sailing ships in the nineteenth uh, and eighteenth century would come by all the time and trade. Uh, for water and for provisions because it was actually had really good farming on the island. Um, it didn't have a bay, a sheltered bay to save its life, you know, so it never became important as a colonial possession, you know, but it was a great place to stop over, get some breadfruit or whatever, you know, coconuts and some fresh water. The problem was the locals, you know, well, what are you going to trade them for this? Uh, well, they'd trade the locals manufactured goods, you know, an iron shovel head or an iron axe head or any of that stuff. Well, being 19th century sailors being what they were, uh, there was also a lot of, hey, um, how much for the little girl? And uh, there was a lot of sex trade that went on. 
You mean uh, they were they were looking for companionship? Uh, yes, clearly, uh, clearly comfort and companionship. Um, perhaps they became tired of their sea wife on board yeah. the boat. Um, but uh, the point is that there was a lot of sex trade on Kosra. And the result was is that the island just became, it had an un, just a huge outbreak, and I think it was gonorrhea. And the result of that gonorrhea was sterilization. The female population started losing the ability to have children. Um, and it, the island was sort of saved when some lovely puritanical American missionaries showed up in the late 19th century, reorganized the island, uh, helped use religion to ban the sex trade with uh, passing ships, and the island bounced back, you know, from like having 600 inhabitants uh, in the 19th century to having 1,400, 1,500 inhabitants by the time of World War One, and I'm not sure what the population is today, but they maintain a very, very religious, very puritanical sort of outlook, you know. Um, uh, the, the island is still there and still populated by the by the same inhabitants. They weren't wiped out like the Carib Indians and a new population lives there. Oh, but there's I, there's a VD apocalypse where they were actually their, their ability to be a society was being was being wiped out by their inability to breed because of venereal diseases. Oh, and that's very much you know we could see that in, in a in a larger scale apocalypse again small small groups of survivors populations. You know, you're gonna have you know you totally risk that. You know, mind you, you could say, well, there's probably gonna you know you could scavenge for plenty of condoms, but it's like, yeah, that's that's gonna last a little while if people actually give a shit about doing that. You know, that's yeah. the problem. You know, how, how many guys nowadays don't care about using condoms? You know, let alone yeah. in the apocalypse. You know, that's yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That that being her problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, and then there's another problem which I would want to point out is that because. Uh, uh, there was that whole thing with the sheep on uh, the survivors where they were raising sheep. There's a, There are sheepskin condoms made from sheep gut that are available, I think, on the market now. But my understanding is that they are not barriers to certain venereal diseases. They will prevent pregnancy, but they won't necessarily protect you from... And, that, and there's going to be a lot of birth control devices like sponges if they ever resurrect the technology for creating a, any... Uh, 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 anti-pregnancy sponge, uh, there's still going to be the problem of Venero's issue. So I get the feeling that in some ways the apocalypse is going to uh, push certain, uh, what we might today see as very puritanical views about sex, that sex is not going to happen until people are sure that they're going to be taken care of during their pregnancy, that they're going to be sure that their children's going to be taken care of. There has to be security and and that's what the family is supposed to provide, and marriage is supposed to provide security. And I, I think that that's going to – there may be a period of time where that doesn't happen, but when people see that, you know, Fred got you pregnant and then fucked off to another community or, or, or didn't didn't help mm -hmm. out, um, people are going to change the way that they – I think oh, yeah. people will change the way – especially because it's, it is life and death. There's no social security net. There's no medical security net. Yeah, and also, you know, this this the mere worry of it's like well, even from the guy's point of view, it's like, well, if I have sex with if I have sex with this woman, is my ding dong gonna fall off? You know, you don't because yeah. you, you don't because it, it works both ways. It's like, you know, the woman uh, has the risk of the pregnancy and and the disease, whereas the guy just has the risk of disease, but he still has risk of disease as well. You know, yeah. so you know the woman has a double double the factors of risks for sure. Yeah. If more, but the males have risks as well because you know they could be a marauding bag of scumbags and you know you know ravage the village, but then it's like they walk back like, hey, what's wrong down there? You know, because you know <laughs> you, you, you're going to have that. You know, uh, that's actually a hilarious thought that you know I, I immediately think of um, the bit from uh, uh, Lucifer's Hammer where the marauding bang of band of cannibals had a doctor with them to check. To see who was edible, yeah. and uh, suddenly I had this image of the marauding band of of horrible che checking, who, yeah, yeah. That there's a you know that that that, that is that they're, they're going to check and see whether or not you know. Well, sure, that 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 only comes up if they survived the first time they didn't do that. Exactly, or I mean, not to go there, but if they don't have it, you know, say they make sure that's like, well, we know these men and women are riddled with venereal diseases, let's make sure that they have them 
That way, they'll get something, and maybe that'll kill them off, and then we have to deal with them later. I've, I've, I've always been... It's, it's kind of a form... It's almost like a form of defense. Um, right? You know, I mean... Cer I mean, certainly, I, I, certainly people have used that as a defense against rape in the real world. Yeah. You know, um, and, people have used that as a defense, and, and, and sometimes it's worked, and sometimes that. They're, they're, that. That has even come up in, you know, in prison situations where their defense against rape is to say that they have a venereal disease. Um, but um, so what concerns I... me—what concerns me is that I, I have an impression of the ancient world, the medieval world, as uh, as being awful damn rapey. I mean, that's just what wars and pillage and mm -hmm. uh, and rapine is all about. And um, certainly, venereal diseases were common yeah. uh, in those societies, but it Pro didn't probably, wipe... probably more common than it is now, or maybe or maybe yeah. not. I don't know. I think it's probably more common. I think. The island of Kosra example is is more pertinent to the post-apocalypse because you have an isolated population. Yeah. Um. And it, it, the disease never got out from beyond their bounds. But in the medieval world, uh, the population is larger. Uh, there's uh, certainly when it comes to the military aspect of rape and pillage, that that's how armies get paid is by taking everybody's shit and raping all the women. That just seemed to be standard operating procedure in the dark ages and the ancient world, um, those guys' life expectancy isn't that great because yeah. they're involved in a violent business where they can be on the receiving end of a spear at any moment. So maybe... That they're, 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 maybe they're not as concerned with those things because like, well, you know what? I'll probably be dead in two weeks anyway. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they're going to live to be 30. You know, and, the, and, and that is a problem in the, in the uh, post-apocalyptic world is, you know, you're... People are, you know, your 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 actuarial tables aren't looking too good. They're back yeah, to well, the because yeah, again with modern medicine, you know, we have people living. You know, well, I mean, there's, you know, even people, you know, uh, generally it seems to be a lot of uh, from the uh, Pacific Rim, you know, people living into 90s and 100s, you know, without modern medicine, you know, so it's not like it's, you know, because of modern medicine, but overall our populations are getting older because of modern every a lot of our our life expectancy infant you know infant mortality our life expectancy our ages um, are due to modern medicine and we and you know in the apocalypse we're, we we lose that and certainly that does uh, bring up the possibility of uh, people starting families earlier one generation in um, yeah. because if they're expected to be, you know, dead by 30 or 40... Well, we're, uh, back to, well, we're back to, again, medieval times where it's like people were getting married and having children as soon as they're uh, pubescent, you know. Yeah. And certainly, um, you know, I, although I've, I recently read something that suggested that the age of Romeo and Juliet in uh, Shakespeare's play is actually inaccurate. It was actually a uh, uh, Elizabethan-era British joke about how weird this, the Italians are. That in England, they were having marriage and children later than that, later than post-puberty. It was five years in, maybe 18, 19, what we consider, you know, as a modern era, the, 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 the proper age to, to marry and start a family. Well, it depends. Um, well, well, my mom had me when I was 19, but again, I'm 44. It seems like it's we've got to swing back to where having it that young seems a bit odd, like, oh, you're only 18, 19. Well, you having a kid already? You know, so I think that's that's changed. But anyway, that's... that's No, but that, that's true. You're not going to have 40-year-old pregnancies in the, in the post-apocalyptic world um, no. just because of uh, the dangers uh, to both the uh, unborn and to the mother. Um, you're well, going to have... It's, it's, it's going to be dangerous at 15 in the post-apocalyptic world, or 20 yeah. or 25, you know. Yeah, but 20 and 25 are when, you're, when we were designed to be at our peak yeah. to handle that physically. Um, that's just, I mean, my understanding is, and please, again, correct me if I'm wrong, that was sort of the period that that evolution geared us to be at our peak uh, ability to reproduce. Um, and right. again... Our, uh, peak, our, our, peak, our peak of freshness. <laughs> but um, let's see what else... Um, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, you know, family structure is going to change a lot, you know, you know, the considerations of when and how to have sex are going to change, you know, because yeah. of, you know, medicine breed, you know. Uh, and also, you know, uh, another thing that's uh, going to come into factor about having sex is going to be, um, besides, you know, bring, you know, the oldest trade is also trade, you know, because they address it in threads. Like, 
the the one character she had nothing. She needed food. Guy wants yeah. like, well, well, you give me some, I'll give you some food. Yeah, and, I remember that. You know, I don't think that's an exaggeration because I think that'll happen. Well, Hell, it happens now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just point. Yeah, because again, there's nothing like starvation and poverty as an aphrodisiac. Oh yeah, it's, um, it, it makes you hot. <laughs> yeah, um, I would like to point out that one of my favorite moments uh, on that very point was, you know, um, Mel. Uh, God, who was it? Mel Gibson leaning into. I think the guy's name was Fred Thring, who played the collector. Oh, you know, and, uh, in Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, in Bartertown, he says, you know, I've got skills. I could trade those, and he just gives him that cold look and goes, "Sorry." The brothels are full. Yeah, <laughs> that's just that was one of the great moments of that. You know, uh, just just I just love that. Yeah, that's right, Nancy boy. I'm calling you, Mel Gibson, and Nancy boy. Um, that was hilarious. And 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 yes, the oldest profession is certainly going to exist. Um, and uh, certainly that's going to be all. Oh, uh, that's going to be a serious factor in commerce. Um, because again, welcome to the Middle Ages. Um, exactly. And, anything... and, and, and then everything that we talked about comes into factor for risk factors. Like, so I guess we're doing, a, we're having a sex trade, but then it's like, well, are you clean? Are you not clean? Medicine, pregnancy, all that, it oh, all comes it, back together. I, I remember reading a nasty story about um, uh, archaeology in England, where they're digging up. Ooh, this is and this is bad news, kids, and so. Uh, and maybe this is going to push some buttons, but All they right. thought they were digging up a uh, a brothel in ancient England at the time of the Roman occupation, time of Londinium. And they're, one of the reasons they thought it was a brothel was because there was a giant, horrible infant graveyard behind the place. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe it was a hospital. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, but the idea that they were disposing, that they were exposing the infants... Uh, they were unwanted uh, for that, but you know, uh, and, and that might be something. I get that when it's taking place in a society uh, that ha that isn't struggling to create more people and build a society. I, I think, uh, although, oops, you get children born with massive uh, birth defects, physical birth defects. There could be child exposure as part of uh, any post-apocalyptic society. That's, that, that could happen. Um, well, until, until, until society reestablishes itself. Like I said, you know, 500 years ago in the, middle, in the Middle Ages, yeah, you had a lot of these risk factors too, but they were established societies, growing societies, and they had uh, the means to deal with these things. They had their midwives. They, had, they knew about all these things, whereas, yeah, the, the like we Ages, said... The Middle Ages is actually better off insofar as they've got more people and more structures in place to deal with these problems. Yeah, whereas, you know, the post-apocalyptic, you know, you don't because everything's just collapsed, so. Um, yeah, so, uh, let's see, what else have we covered? Anything else? Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think, I think we, we covered, covered all we the bases. And it's 7 o'clock, well, my time, 10 o'clock your time, so yep. we've just about done an hour, so maybe we should stop flapping our lips. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking and, of, and and mansplaining all this. And here's one thing. I want, here's a question, not related to the topic that oh, I meant yeah. to ask in the beginning of the show. I wanted to put out there. I, I was thinking about this recently, and maybe we'll maybe we'll make it as uh, we'll work it into a subject somewhere. Is I was driving around, and we had and down in. Well, I know you have them up in Se up in Seattle, but and we we have them down here. But I, we have the fake ones down here, at least theoretically. You know. The homeless, you know, people on street corners begging for, you know, for change and food and stuff like that. In sunny Florida, you know, you could tell these people is like, come on, you're bullshitting me. But I'm talking about the real street people, the people who really live on the streets day in and day out, survive day in and day out on the streets. How do you think those folks are going to fare in the apocalypse? I think they're going to fare better than your average modern-day society technology technology person because they are used to, you know, or adapted to living on nothing and surviving on nothing already. I think they're going to fare well better in the beginning than most people. Their, their, biggest, their biggest hurdles for them are going to be um, the scarcity, uh, and I do not say that, I'm not saying that every 
homeless person who is homeless day to day. And I know what you mean about the so what I call the fake homeless. I've run into scam artists and I've run into yeah. kid kids who are like treating being homeless like a like a hiking trip. Yeah. You know, through through the you know they're like they're just going to spend a instead of hiking the Adirondacks or the Appalachian Trail, they're going to spend the summer homeless in the U District of Seattle. But um, uh, the one of the two factors for a lot of homeless people is going to be dealing with the scarcity of any substance abuse that they may have picked up during their life. That's true. <laughs> they're going to have to dry out forcibly for the most part. Um, but once they're through with that, once they've recovered from that, um, there's also the factor of having to deal with any uh, mental illness that they may have had. Because a lot of our homeless have oh, been yes, that, that is true. I'm not trying to and we're created by the home by, by the mental institutions being dumped into the streets, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So their their biggest hurdles are going to be first of all getting through uh, any addictions they might have, and that's which is which is not which is bad, but they can get through it. There was any number of characters I can remember in Survivors who had track marks but had survived. That yeah. they were they were going they were going to die as a junkie, and then they got through it because. All that went away. Um, the other factor is mental health. Yeah. You know, well, no, yeah, a lot, yeah. A lot of them are going to be like that. But I just think you know, so, you know, because so, not every not not every homeless person has, uh, you know, is is not have have mental uh, issues. But you know, yes, a lot of them do, and it's sad that that's why that's why they're there. We're not we're not going to get into that issue. But, but even so, they've managed to find ways of surviving. Yes. On, uh, through scarcity in a, yes. in a scarce environment. I, I think I think some of those folks uh, are going to do a lot better than some of these, you know, the wa the wackadoos, fucking uh, stocking up their basements with jarred peaches and ammunition. You know, yeah. I think they might do. I think they might do better in the long term because these people are relying on their stocks, their ammo, this or that. And once that runs out, what are they going to fucking do? Anyway, that is a whole subject we could talk about another time. But I just right I just on. wanted to bring that. I just wanted to bring that up. I just it was something that I was thinking about. And I wanted to throw that out there. So, right. all right, folks. So. You know, it really wasn't necessarily about sex in the apocalypse. It was more about, you know, everything involved with it. Because sex is just more than that. You know, it's it, it, when we're talking about family, uh, health, you know, uh, you know, physical health, things like that. But you know, a lot of it deals with the whole sex G anyway. So G gender roles, which gender roles, politics, you know, and how you organize your society based on those uh, that politics. Yeah, it's it's not just a one side of that. It's not the leather push-up bra with the spikes on it from, uh, you know, Road Warrior. All right, that's not the end, that's not the end of our sex. It, it it's not. But uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the the, the, the leather push-up bra with the spikes when we do fashion. Yes, we got we're gonna have to do fashion in the apocalypse, or maybe we'll tie we'll tie it to something else. So, so that's sex in the apocalypse, folks. It's it's very it's a very complex issue and. It creates a lot of issues, so uh, that's going to be all for this week, folks, and uh, what are we going to do next show? I don't know. Again, haven't thought about it. Maybe maybe we'll do fashion. I don't know. Or maybe we'll do... <laughs> we keep threatening to. We keep on doing threatening fashion. I also want to kind of talk about potentially, um, you know, the so-called reality apocalypse shows, you know, like... Oh, yeah. The Colony and Doomsday Preppers and, well, you know, Life After I, I, People. So I want to I, talk about those too, maybe, you know. I certainly got uh, The Colony's now available for me to watch on uh, Netflix. Um, so I, I can go take a look at that and, 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 and catch up. Yeah, I've, I've seen the whole first season. I started watching the second season. They do a different scenario. You know, so, I, I mean, I'm kind of interested in maybe those shows. Maybe we'll do that, folks. Again, we don't know. We don't know yet. Um, when, I, when I figure it out, we will. And also... Uh, by the time we do the next show, we will. Because uh, I believe actually next week will be one year that we ago that we launched the show. Oh dear. Yeah, I think we launched the first show like on the. I think it was like the 18th of February was the first show last year. <laughs> so we've been doing this for a year, folks, and we and we we managed to get 19 episodes in. I think that's pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad, uh, I suppose, except that. It's a, it's a little less than once every two weeks. Yeah, well, you know, we've been consistent. We were, we had some uh, some time. You know, the holidays got busy, but we've been we've been uh, steaming along pretty consistently every every two weeks. And you know, I want to keep driving that now. So we're gonna we're gonna try to keep up that pace. You know, because I said so, we some, do. Something else, Jared. I do want to go back and hit some books. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we, we have so much. You know? We have a we have a library of post-apocalyptic uh, uh, novels that uh, that really need to be cracked open. Oh yeah, between you and me, we got a, sh a shit ton of them. You know. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, so maybe we should maybe also hit the literary. We should hit the literary thing at some point again too. Oh yeah, sure. Well, we'll we'll have to plan that out because I'm gonna have to because a lot of these books I haven't touched in 25 years, so I'm gonna need to go back and try to at least attempt to reread them or scan or skim them just to kind of refresh my memory on them, you know. Okay. But right, uh, so yeah, well, yeah. So folks, we got we got plenty to talk about. You're never gonna hear the end of us, so don't don't don't, don't don't you worry. We'll we'll be here for a long, long time. I, I don't think that's what they're worried about. No, <laughs> I think yeah, you know, I think I think they're hoping that we're gonna run out of stuff eventually. But um, but hey, so there you go, folks. Uh, that was Sex in the Apocalypse. Uh, again, two we will see in two weeks. Uh, again, that when I get a better idea what we're gonna talk about. We'll post it, and remember, like I said, we talked about the um, uh, the Thundar. I uh, got that on the favorites. Scott will get the uh, uh, H+, plus, uh, like the main link to that, and I'll get that favorited on, on the YouTube channel as well, so you can go, you can go and uh, check that out as well. So that's it for the Apocalypse this week, folks. As again, uh, thank you always for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it, and, you know, like I always say, be socially responsible. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, you know, uh, spread the word. So there you go. So, uh, Scott, thank you. Good night. Um, anything else anything for the folks? Um, nope, that's that's all, that's all I've got for tonight. Um, you know, just uh, happy Valentine's Day. Yes, happy sex in it. From Podcast Background Zero, we want to wish you all a very happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Thank you and good night.